Welcome to AI FISEC today, where we're embarking on a thrilling journey into the intersection of artificial intelligence and the physical security industry. Today, we have Chrissy McCutcheon, uh, who is a principal and senior consultant at Security by Design. Super excited to have Chrissy on the call. I know we have been talking together about getting you on for a bit, and I uh, could be more thrilled to have you, Chrissy. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be on. So um, in oral fashion, we'd like to start by having you as a guest tell us about your background, your business, just so the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Uh, so I've been in security for about 20 years now. Uh, started by being appointed as a security manager in the command post uh, at Baylor Force Base. And then that expanded to covering the headquarters too, and eventually transitioned into becoming a government contractor. Uh, I was a security analyst overseeing the physical, industrial, personnel, uh, and information security programs for nine different squadrons around the world. And then uh, about 10 years ago, I moved to security by design as a security consultant. And our focus there is global design standards. So we primarily do multi-site, multinational corporations. And I'm uh, becoming a key owner's rep for designs, construction support, and implementation. So we do all sorts of different uh, projects at different levels, different industries, uh, but it's really being that, that owner's rep where the owner doesn't even necessarily need to be part of the meetings because I understand how to implement the designs that they want uh, for a very cohesive security system. Awesome. That sounds super intense, but also really exciting at the same time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> awesome. So tell, tell us, uh, Chrissy, something fun about you. One fun fact. One fun fact. Uh, I wanted to be a computer artist when I was five. So that was, that was my dream job, not, you know, fireman or police officer. Um, but I've always loved art and photography and it's really interesting right now. All of the, the options, uh, improvements in data processing and, everything's uh, improved so much now that it's easy to take a picture like the one in my background here that I took on a plane ride on a business trip and then turn it into art. You know, so it's, it's being able to visualize something differently than how everybody else sees it. And now the tools are so much easier now to just make that happen in, you know, five, 10 minutes to make your creations come to life. That's awesome. I was actually going to ask if you did the did that did your background and you answered it for me. So good job, good job. It looks <laughs> nice. Um, so you know, on that note, because I know this isn't the podcast uh, title, but I I I also like to dabble in art too. But one of the interesting things about um, the art industry around artificial intelligence or generative AI is I don't know if you know, but uh, it was either they won an art contest or were a finalist in an art contest for a artist that made art using Midjourney, um, just by prompts, and and uh, there was a conflict on whether or not that is considered art. But from the uh, the way they were able to get approved to be a finalist or they won the contest was because that they uh, the the judges saw the prompts in the in the specificity that was listed in the prompts the amount of creativity that was in the prompts and therefore it was art uh so super interesting to see where art will be in respect to 
you know. Definitely, yeah. We can see how they can take a a photo of a desert and turn it into an ocean scene with just a few mm-hmm. prompts. You know, it's it's really amazing. <laughs> this was made with uh, Mid Journey, actually. So. Oh really? Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so now let's get to the topic at hand. The topic is Wayne AI Edge pros and cons. Uh, man, I have been thinking about this for a while, even when we met at GSX months ago. Um, it's something that uh, I uh, still kind of figure, I think that a lot of people are talking about and trying to figure out, especially manufacturers as they make new things, right? Like what? how much should I bring to the edge, take away, or is the middle ground, right? So um, yeah, kick us off. Tell us what you think. And I think it's important to kind of start with the, the what is the edge, right? Like, what is that definition? So the, you know, one of the official definitions is it allows com- computations to be done close to where the data is actually collected rather than at a centralized cloud computing facility or an offsite data center. So it, it lets the devices make smarter decisions faster without connecting to the cloud um, or any sort of offsite that you don't need an internet connection to be able to uh, do the computing at the edge. And because of that, it allows benefits related to infrastructure costs, scalability, high utilization, resilience from server failures, uh, and it offers the faster response times, uh, lower bandwidth and resilience from any network failures. And uh, when we were talking in GSX, we talked about the fact that Edge can kind of mean two different things because when it says it's being done close to where the data is collected, that could mean that it's actually on the sensor, whether that's a camera or some other sensor device at the edge physically or on site close to that device if you need a little bit more. But it's it's prior to it going off site to a data center or to a more centralized server. So maybe walk some of the audience, right? Because sometimes we might have people that are from the industry, which I'm sure primarily, and then others that are, that might not that listen in. So what would be maybe an example of that maybe like a camera topology that could we could kind of walk through on those differences, those nuances, and like an NVR, you know, maybe having some maybe a IP camera on the edge versus having an IP camera on the edge straight to cloud or in a virtualized environment or something. Or what's your impressions on it? Yeah. So you have. If we take the cameras, for example, so they now have way more onboard storage and computing capability, and they can do their inferencing all the way at the edge. And so they can take not just the video, but create the metadata and inferences of, you know, that that's a red shirt or that's a vehicle or a person or, you know, very basic concepts, and then send that as data instead of video. And um, and then that information doesn't need to be on the NVR or server to be able to do um, review the video and try to figure those things out. It's all happening on the camera. Then you have the NVR uh, level where it's getting all of the full data from the cameras and then analyzing it to figure out those things. And then you have the other ones where it goes to the NVR and then gets processed somewhere else. Sometimes that's another server on site 
if you have, um, are we supposed to say companies? Uh, like, like a brief camera or something that has their own server because they, they run way more processing on that. And so it, it's an on-site server that does a lot more um, analyzing of that data from every camera source. And then you have the ones where it's just fully done in the cloud and it takes every bit of information from all of the different sensors and processes it all in the cloud, which is super scalable, but you have a lot of bandwidth requirement there for it to do all of the analyzing and not just collecting the metadata and deciding, yes, this is something that's really important. We wanna capture this. Yeah. Yeah, because it's so with all those options, you know, it's I guess a customer decides based on what like their their maybe their financial resources, is there an is there an advantage over one versus the other, you know? Like is there an ideal place, I guess, is a better question. Um now and and in and maybe a different one in the future that's more ideal. So I mean, there are there are definite benefits to doing stuff at the edge. So uh, you have your real-time insights mm -hmm. where the the camera can alert to somebody crossing a line right away, mm -hmm. right? And all of that can happen all the way at the camera. And so there's no, it reduces the latency of mm -hmm. sending the image, then it being analyzed, then producing the alert. Um, so it can actually be faster that way. It's reduced cost. There's less power usage because you're distributing all of that computation across all of these little devices. Mm -hmm. uh, and then reduced bandwidth costs. You know, you don't have to pay for as much bandwidth. To, uh, so that in general reduces costs. You get the almost instant intelligence from the cameras, they can decide whether something's important. If you have it recording only on alerts, then it's not recording everything all the time. Mm -hmm. And so you can teach it what you care about. Um, increased privacy. So a lot of the information is being done at the, the sensor mm -hmm. location and not getting sent until it's kind of more anonymized data. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Scalability, it's really easy to just add more and more sensors. And so you're you're getting the benefits instantly of those new sensors and what their capabilities are. And that's because um, you're you have the compute spread out, right? Meaning that's yeah. using those resources at the edge as opposed to, hey, I'm doing a dumber device and now it's using more resources in the head end or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, and any of those things where you're you're doing the AI in a central location, then there's usually a, you know, those costs per device. Mm -hmm. And then how many things do you want to look for? Where if you buy a camera that already has all of these things built in, that's baked into the, the initial cost of that camera versus a recurring cost. Interesting. So what, um, what drawbacks do you see with that topology? If at all, it sounds good. It sounds like that's just the way you buy it. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the biggest ones is limited computing power and memory because you're still limited to what fits on that edge device. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so, yeah, they've, they've been able to 
do amazing things on tiny little chipsets and mm. SD cards are can hold crazy amounts of data that you know when we were younger was just not possible. Um, so I think that that limited computing power and memory is a huge drawback there. Um, typically, the computing power can do more of the lower lower level inferencing. So you can get, like I said, yes, that's a person. Yes, that's a, a vehicle or an animal. You know, the, the very well-trained, simple models, but it can't do the more complicated, like, is this, you know, more of an anomaly? Do we not usually have, you know, this kind of truck driving here at this time of day? You know, what's the, the more complicated stuff tends to happen uh, on the larger computing resources. Um, so that kind of leads to the restrictions in the deep learning uh, frameworks. So um, I think one of the big things is, you know, the, the edge devices will download a model and they're using that training structure to make their inferences. And so when they're also connected to a system where they can keep getting new downloads of that model, then they're learning more. But some of them are limited to what they came out of the factory with. And it's not learning, it's not growing or changing, it just, it is what it is, and, and that's what you're stuck with. And so there are limitations depending on what manufacturers you go to and how their devices are structured and their learning models. Um, the there's one more um, challenge of the, you know, if, if computing is being done in a data center, it's in a very controlled condition space. You know, it's an ideal temperature. It's, mm -hmm. It has all of the power it needs. It has a very stable environment. When you're putting all of these sensors out at the edge, they might not be in ideal situations. They might mm -hmm. be too hot or too cold or inconsistent power or inconsistent network or in you know the the conditions aren't nearly as good and so you might lose out on on data because it's trying to do so much at the edge and it can't handle it all i never thought about it that way that's that's really uh interesting that environmental considerations of putting too high of a tech on the edge right it's like uh because yeah. it makes sense to say hey let's put all of our chips in one basket and this one device on the edge let's say for some companies and then okay well yeah you're right for maybe certain areas um or if it if it consumes a lot of information like if it's an outdoor camera maybe there's activity it's a high traffic area that's a lot of compute on that one device that's interesting how i've never personally specced like an AI edge camera that was maybe in a very busy area um, that was just edged to, you know, offsite storage somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. It's usually like edged to an onsite NVR and then NVR spec for, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, motion, right. Or whatever it's going to capture within the frame. Um, right. That's interesting. I never thought about that way. Yeah. So I think, you know, we kind of touched on it, but training is a huge issue for them. Okay. So, you know, you've got your um, 
essentially every AI model is trained somehow, right? And so it's somebody or some group of people showing examples of what kind of data they're trying to identify or categorize and then making sure to train it with correct answers. Mm -hmm. But if a system hasn't seen something or it can't quite figure out what it is, then you know it needs to keep learning as you get something new. And so there are benefits to kind of doing a, a hybrid model where there's some stuff at the edge and the more basic, you know, human vehicle, animal sort of level, and then sending other data to an engine that can do a more detailed review and get, um, you know, vehicle models and things like that, where that's too much for an edge device to be able to do. And then as your, um, you know, some of those more central things can go through and really identify the anomaly situations mm -hmm. where, um, or, uh, you know, there are companies that can run analytics that determine if somebody did a slip and fall or climbing a fence or, you know, doing different activities like, mm -hmm. yeah, the camera knows it's a human, but does it know that that human just climbed a fence into your space? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the edge can't handle that level. And so, um, uh, or learning new things if, if, a situation changed and you're talking about a busy environment. If you have a busy environment, then a smarter system could know, okay, this time of day, it's usually really busy, uh, but there shouldn't be any activity this time. And it can say, hey, I see a person here at this time of day. And there usually isn't a person hanging out here this time of day. So maybe that's an issue. Um, they also have capabilities of taking multiple sensors and saying, hey, I saw a person and I got a door forced open. Hey, now this is something you really need to react to. Mm -hmm. So there are ways that, you know, and those sort of models, they don't usually take what the camera manufacturer provides as a something. Mm -hmm. they're running their own algorithms from their own models that they've trained because then now they're taking all different sensors from different sources and they want to make sure that their model reacts the same on the data where if you take different camera manufacturers their algorithms might detect differently and so you can't take all of those different people's sources so then if you're implementing those those deeper uh, inference sort of systems, then it doesn't really benefit you to have all of this computing power at the edge because you already have to send them all your data anyway. So you're not getting the benefit of reduced bandwidth, right? So there are things, it depends on, you know, benefits or or limitations. It really depends on how you want to use that data. If you're all within the same environment, you have the same camera manufacturers, you know very you know very specific things that you're looking for, mm -hmm. then edge AI can absolutely be your best bet, right? Because it's cheaper in the long run for you. 
if you're also implementing those other levels of of AI systems, mm -hmm. then maybe you're better off with a, a dumber edge device that's mm -hmm. going to be cheaper in the beginning and then spend your money on the bandwidth and the compute power and stuff to do those deeper level uh, connections between different types of sensors. Herein lies the benefit of working with a security consultant for AI. You know, um, uh, sorry, I had to give you a plug. Um, but uh, I you know it's. I want to go back to something you said uh, with regards to manufacturers making it, and then you know what they make, and then what they put out might not be effective enough in the real world, right? And one of the have you heard of the term synthetic data? Um, no. So it's been around actually for years, but I came across it recently um, as I'm in this whole AI game now. And uh, what happens is if you make a, a machine learning model, you, you need a lot of examples to teach it, right? Before it comes off the shelf and it gets at cars and people. So, you know, the manufacturers aren't slapping cameras on walls and just letting it sit there for five years while it collects like a million images of cars. What they're doing is they're feeding it synthetic data of here's what a car looks like and then teaching it over time. It, it spits out a good de uh, detection of a vehicle. Yes, that's good, right? And it's learning and better and better. Once they get a high probability of success, hey, you're ready for prime time, ready for buy. And so when it goes out in the wild, to your point, is when they get, I guess, in the reverse, non-synthetic data that it learns from. And I think that's why in some systems, maybe, I don't know if you've seen this, that it also allows the end user to make the decision of what is not a car, what is a car, what is not a human, what is a human, to teach it in the non-synthetic environment or non-synthetic data environment. And so- um, And I've seen that yeah. more, that the teaching, I've seen that more when it's not all the way at the edge. Tell me more. Well, like- you know, when you have these other systems, you know, more the the near edge, right? Or NVR type level before it goes up or computing, uh, cloud computing, they tend to give you more capabilities of training your model. Mm -hmm. You know, what's like, no, that's that's actually an animal or not, you know, not a human, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't seen a lot of cases where you can teach the edge cameras mm -hmm. what something is and maybe that's coming or it's out in certain areas i just I haven't seen that much but i do think that's an important thing to you know really be able to to interact like you said the, the end user teaching their model yeah and i'm i'm sure that would come i mean they're already accessing tools where they can fine-tune uh bots um for different tasks um, it's just where those are running on. So, you know, and that's a question of where the compute lives. I mean, I'm selfishly a fan of cloud and SaaS, but I also am realistic about where I think these things land in certain vertical customer verticals. And so, you know, I think of solutions like generative AI or more progressive solutions that will come out, maybe it's interactive or who knows, AGI or something else even greater than that, is that I don't know, I, I fail to think that that's ever going to live for most customers, like on an on-prem server, 
or that they could afford it. The number of CPUs, GPUs, transform, I think the costs are going up. And, uh, you know, I feel like a natural progression is some aggregation to cloud. Maybe, I think you used a good example earlier. You said, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but like the ML on the edge is doing like the kind of lighter AI grabs of cars, people, you know, uh, animals, whatever. But then when it gets more complicated, like I don't even know what type of car, then you have the on-prem server, maybe larger compute power that can make those decisions. Now, to your point, how I'm training models, how I'm having the model maybe do actions for me. So meaning like, hey, there's a problem. I might have a model that just goes ahead and makes a decision for me in the cloud to say, hey, if you see these things, it's a false alarm. If you see these things, just go ahead and call the police. If these things, you know, so it starts to, now it starts to fit in for that operator, the security operator, as opposed to um, it just telling them something's going on, right? So I'd love to get your thoughts um, on, just on that topic in general, right? Like how does, like how does this stuff scale with the advancements of AI, right? So we know ML, okay, it's been around for years. There's really nothing super special about that on, you know, on the edge. What will be special is that how much more ML they could put on the edge based on the smaller chipsets and higher computing power, like you said, environmental considerations, whatever. That will be cool because that means cameras will just get smarter over time. And there's a lot of benefits there, as you mentioned. But I'm curious, like with the advancements of what we're seeing and how fast it's going, like, like where does more advanced versions of AI live when it comes to um, edge pros and cons? I really think that a lot of the more advanced stuff is still at the near edge. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk to a lot of the the AI companies that are analyzing all your data, they usually want an on-prem server because they have so much more computing power, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on that on-prem server. And it would take way too much bandwidth to send everything up at the resolution that they need to really get the, the good data. That, um, and so as we're advancing our networks, I think, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're figuring out how to effectively compress data more and we're improving our networks. And so I think as those things are improving, we'll be able to do more in the cloud. And like you said, it's super scalable. And so you use what you need when you need it kind of thing, right? It, it can grow, ex expand and contract based mm -hmm. on your needs where any servers on site don't don't have that same uh, flexibility. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, I think it will go more towards the cloud. And I also agree that it'll be less of the, the near edge computing more on the cloud and more at the edge with better capabilities of, you know, the, the edge devices, learning models, connecting to the cloud and getting better data from that shared, you know, group mind kind of concept where, you know, this camera over here learned something new. It got trained by the owner that this is something. And then, shared that data up to the cloud and then the cloud shared it back down to all the other devices. And so now they all know this is the new thing, right? This is this type of creature or whatever they're trying to detect. That's awesome. 
Yeah, that's really insightful. Um, I've definitely learned, not that I haven't learned other podcasts, but I definitely learned some stuff here today. So this has been awesome. Yeah, I think that the percent, uh, just the thought of like how things are moving so quickly and how this edge conversation is coming up so much that I, I hope that the audience is valuing this as much as I am. I think this is great. Thank you, Chris. So we're at that part of the segment where we would love to hear what you're working on, what you're excited about, right? Um, what you're working on that you're excited about rather, and also uh, where people can find you. So what I'm excited about right now, you know, security industry has been changing rapidly. And because of that, really implementing all of these different systems and getting them optimized for our customers has been a challenge. Uh, and so our company has been focusing a lot more on the implementa implementation support and the programming and making sure, you know, systems are very consistent across the board. If you're dealing with a GSOC operator that has to deal with things in different parts of the world, everything looks and acts and is named, you know, very consistently, it makes their job easier. So mm -hmm. we're doing a lot more of that implementation support. And I'm kind of excited about doing that, you know, versus a whole lot of little projects, but really focusing in on, you know, getting more certifications with different manufacturers and getting more into the weeds of really getting to take advantage of all of these cool new tools that we have available, right? And and making sure that the end result that the customer gets is actually what they were sold to begin with. And I think that that was, you know, an area that's kind of been challenged or missing. And so I'm excited that we're getting more involved in that realm. Uh, and then you said, where to find me? Okay, so uh, <laughs> security by design. So sbd.us is our website um and my email is chrissy underscore mccutcheon at spd.us <laughs>